Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska. On this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to it. It is the Michael Duke Show. Uh, hi, how are you? You guys ready to go? It is VD. It's nothing like a little VD to make your day better. Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Good morning and welcome back to the program. Uh, this Wednesday edition of the show. We've got a lot of stuff to go over and things to discuss this morning. We're going to uh, be talking, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to be talking here in just a few minutes to a brand spanking new candidate uh, for the GVEA board uh, in up in the interior. That's the Golden Valley Electric Board. Uh, up in the interior. Now, that's not normally the most, you know, that's not like the sexiest office you could get involved in. In fact, it's one that quite honestly is usually very, very quiet. Uh, I mean, you guys all received your board uh, ballots in the mail and everything else, but you know, most of the times you have no idea. I mean, there's just no fervor. There's no fanfare. There's no discussion. There's no debates. It's like you get your ballot in the mail and it's like vote or don't vote. Uh, and it's really, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, but there is a tremendous amount of, uh, there's a tremendous amount of power and influence and things that go on in these boards for the various, whether it's HEA or GVEA or, you know, any of the other electric cooperatives that are going on around the state where, you know, these are decisions that have long-term consequences and we should probably be paying closer attention to what's going on in this. Uh, over the years, I've gotten involved in a few GVEA races up in the interior just to try and, you know, let people know what's going on, uh, to at least inform them as to what's happening. Uh, and uh, so today we're going to be talking with Harmony uh, Tomaszewski, who is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. She's going to be talking about her run for that office, why she got inspired, what she sees as being the big issues, um, you know, coming up against the board and what, you know, what we should be looking out for. So we're going to be, uh, <clears throat> we're going to be talking with her here. Oh, in just about 10, uh, 12 minutes or so. And we'll, uh, we'll get the rundown there. Then in hour two, we'll be joined by state Senator Mike shower for an update on the state of the session. What's happening. Uh, we're going to bust out the popcorn and just kind of watch from the sidelines, which is what he's been doing. Uh, you know, as one of the three unofficial members of the unofficial minority who are unofficially stuck in the corner with nothing to do. They're still all three of them trying to work as hard as they can. But uh, it's I imagine it's been a very frustrating um 
I imagine it's been a very frustrating uh, thing to have to deal with. Uh, and so anyway, we'll talk with State Senator Mike Schauer in hour two of the program, and we'll keep going on there and see what, what happens. Uh, I want to say a very special good morning and thank you to the latest member of the Common Sense Corps. Paul signed up yesterday to help support the show uh, with his, uh, with his uh, uh, membership, uh, a $3 membership. Thank you, Paul. Uh, appreciate you uh, appreciate you coming on board. Paul is going to get an invite here to a uh, he's going to get an invite to the uh, uh, to the Common Sense Core uh, private Facebook group and more just for being part of the program. So he's going to uh, he's helping out and I appreciate it. So thank you, Paul. Uh, appreciate you uh, joining us and uh, and being part of it today. All right, what else we got to talk about here this morning? Uh, well, by the way, I guess I should say, see, it was horrible. I, was, I did a horrible segue there. Uh, if you want to join Paul and be part of the show and be part of the, the cool kids club, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash Michael Duke show uh, or go to michaeldukeshow.com and click on join the core. That's how you become a member of the Common Sense Core Club. Yep. See, there you go. That's that's where it's all at. Okay, <clears throat> now I can move on. Now I can move on. Let's go over to uh, some of the headlines we're going to be dealing with. Um, there's some discussion and some movement on HB 140, which is the uh, which is the education bill that is in uh, the legislature right now. We're going to talk about that um, and. Uh, we're going to talk about the jaywalking or the uh, the red light stop on red light thing. Some irony there, and uh, some of the movement that's moving up against the governor's executive orders on boards and commissions and some of that stuff. So we're going to talk about that right right now. Let's just talk about it right now, shall we? So remember yesterday how I was go- <laughs> how I was going on about this right turn on red thing going on down in Anchorage. Well, I had forgotten totally about this and. I guess thank you to Suzanne Downing from Musrid, Alaska, for pointing this out. But I had totally forgotten that um, <clears throat> back in October, and I never brought it up on the show uh, because it just seemed, you know, again a little bit ridiculous to me. But uh, back in October, the Anchorage Assembly had changed the rules for the road in the city again, uh, and I'd totally forgotten about this. Um, in, on October 7th of 23, the Anchorage assembly went, uh, had an ordinance that went into effect, allowing jaywalkers the freedom to roam across streets whenever they deemed it was safe in the city, the walkers, and not to worry about all those pesky jaywalking fines or anything else. Apparently, according to Downing, walkers now rule the road in Anchorage and Drivers need to be ever aware of the increasing dangers. And then sure enough, on January the 30th, a pedestrian was hit while crossing C Street outside of a designated crosswalk. And he died at the hospital because he his his judgment of deeming it safe was not safe. And he got killed. Now, the Anchorage Assembly wants to make it illegal for drivers to turn right. Not that it would have saved this instance because this was down on uh, uh, C street. I think this is down on C street in Midtown. And what they're talking about is right on red only in the downtown core area. For those of you who don't know what Anchorage is like, that's like 15 blocks away. Uh, anyway, so I just, I just found it ironic that she brings that up. That was like, Hey, back in October, 
they made jaywalking legal, and now you're going to ride out. You're going to turn this whole ride on red thing downtown. On top of that, this is at the same time. I, I will point out when some of the members of the assembly also want to remove a portion of the Seward Highway that cuts through the Fairview neighborhood and is one of the major thoroughfares into Anchorage. Remember, Anchorage only has one inlet and outlet in the northern side of the city. And it's going through Fairview because otherwise it's a bridge to nowhere. Remember, that was the whole thing, bridge to nowhere. That was the Kinnick River Bridge, which, by the way, would alleviate <clears throat> a tremendous amount of traffic on the highway and through that part of the downtown corridor if they just did something uh, about it. But, I mean, you know, you know, it is what it is, right? I mean, it is what it is. Although there was another tidbit that came up here. Um, Downing talks about all the different, um, um, talks about all the different communities around the country who have, uh, that, where that right on red is a, is kind of the law, the rule of the land. I mean, that's pretty much everywhere. Exceptions are New York city and Washington DC, uh, where, I mean, I get, I guess we should have, you know, you know, and there are a few right on red places in, uh, in Anchorage. Turning from uh, <clears throat> from A Street onto Northern Lights, all the Northern Lights stuff is no right on red. But I mean, for the most part, it's just kind of the right on red is is normal. But apparently, we're pushing hard for this foot traffic thing. Um, and but now again, this is when they want to cut this major portion out from the Seward Highway, uh, so that everybody who works outside of Anchorage can get into town to get to work and help the city keep moving. And then she mentions at the very end that Daniel Voland, the assembly member who is pushing this ordinance, moved to Anchorage from Seattle a few years ago. And I forgot about that, too. And he says, despite the improved safety standards and automobile design, pedestrian cyclist fatalities have been on the rise nationwide. He, he and others who support this ordinance say all users have equal rights to the roadway. They're trying to make it more... Uh, I mean, I don't know. This this whole thing is just like pedestrians versus cars. Uh, you know, pedestrians have usually have a lot more control of what they're doing than cars who are moving at speed. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. And while we need to obviously give way and yield to pedestrians, it's got to make sense. And in an area where we're at right now, this is not a high density city like New York where you can walk everywhere or take a cab and, you know, half the people don't own a car. This is Alaska. Everybody, you know, the most for the most part, most people have a vehicle and they use it to get where they I mean, I live I live 59 miles away from where I have to go in and do work. I'm not walking there or riding my big fat tire bike or taking my snow machine. Right. I mean, come on. Seriously, this is. Anyway, I just thought it was funny that, again, not three, four months ago, they made jaywalking illegal, and now it's going to be no right turn on red. Uh, just, again, just, just crazy. Um, the uh, chair of the House Rules Committee, Craig Johnson, said he expects the HB 140, that controversial, controversial, it's what KTUU says, education bill, uh, will soon be out uh, uh, to be voted on by the House of Republicans. Um, Gary Stevens called the discussions between the three Senate majority members and three House majority members negotiations on Tuesday, but that apparently stuck in the craw of Craig Johnson, who argued that the talks are not negotiations because no one in that room has the authority to authorize anything. Uh, he said, we're on a fact-finding mission. 
And Stevens, well, you know, we just we we had the part principle. This not it's possibilities. It's a possibilities. Anyway, um, Johnson said that all six of the uh, lawmakers are aligned on roughly eighty-five percent of the education package, but the Senate majority has argued that the fourteen thirteen BSA is what's needed to handle rising inflation. They're not budging on the fourteen thirteen number, um, while the uh, uh, the House majority, of course, supports the $300 mark. Uh, additionally, the education package, of course, contains the retention and recruitment bonuses for teachers from five dollars to $15,000 and everything else. They only have till the end of the month to get this taken care of because the big part of this is that Internet thing uh, for increasing Internet speeds out in the villages. And that has to be done by the end. The deadline for the funding comes at the end of the month. But in this article from KTUU, the biggest thing that I had to laugh about, and I literally laughed out loud when I heard this uh, or when I read this, the House minority has not had a seat at the table during these closed door discussions, something that House Minority Leader Calvin Schreggie from Anchorage says he has not been given a reason for. I don't know how this is going to play out, and that's part of the problem of the House minority being excluded from these conversations, Shreggy said. Normally, we'd be part of any negotiation taking place so that we'd be prepared to answer some questions such as, how will this play out? How will we vote on the budget or the education bill? Unfortunately, in this instance, we've been shut out of these conversations, and our constituents have been denied the opportunity to weigh in on what education should look like in Alaska. To which I say... Let me call the wambulance for you, baby. I mean, when the Democrats were in charge of the House for all those years, there were plenty of times where they cut out the minority members of the minority Republicans, didn't give them a seat at the table, didn't give them the word, forced bills down their throat, did a substitute bill for the entire budget with 90 minutes to read it and then vote on it. I mean, did you hear the news media you know, talking to the minority at that point and the, you know, minority getting the same thing like, hey, why aren't we involved in the conversation? No, you didn't hear about it. But as soon as the Democrats in the House minority uh, are in the minority, now it's like, oh, well, we're so sad. I mean, we've been cut out. Don't you know that we've been disenfranchised? Uh, the shoe is now on the other foot, my friend. And that's all I'm saying right now. Just, I mean, they, they never, you know, they never allowed the House to participate in the conference committees and some of these other things. And it just, it's just so funny to watch because now this is what happens because the pendulum always swings one way or the other. Be careful what you, what you lord over other people because it could come back to bite you. Unfortunately, the news media, you know, they've got the ear of the news media. So now the news media has got to say, well, how is this fair? Well, how has it been fair for the last 10 years? That's my question. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio, Harmony, Tomaszewski up next. We'll continue right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. 
Oh, Harold thinks we need to have a little bit of a more adult conversation this morning. Okay. Well, why don't you spin it over to NPR, buddy? I'm sure you'll find some adult conversation over there. I'm sure that everybody over there, nobody cracks a smile at NPR. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, if I want to talk about poop and fart jokes, I will. Because why? Right there. That's why. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, yeah. And Kevin says, blah, the previous, uh, house majority, which he was, he said minority, but I think he meant majority was part of, he's a part of never was never included in the, uh, these type of conversations. Uh, oh no, he was a minority member, I guess. Wasn't he? Anyway, I just blah, whatever. Um, Michael says, well, this is what happens when you vote for morons to run your city. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, let me make sure that Harmony here. Uh, you get the video link. Okay. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> what? Oh, oh man, Harold's going to hate this. Bill says, do you know what you get when you cross Valentine's Day with hump day? And Kale says, I, I don't. Oh, I needed that. I needed that for this morning. That was the perfect, that was the perfect answer. It was a perfect answer. <laughs> and Bill says, the answer is actually nothing. We're all old. We get nothing. <clears throat> oh, man. Uh, whew. 40 degrees up at my dad's place up there in the hills above Fairbanks. 40 degrees. The heck, man. I mean, I love I love some good weather as much as the next guy, but this is getting redonkulous. It was 42 degrees in Anchorage yesterday. Uh, currently 30 degrees outside the house this morning. So just one of those things. Uh, all right. I see that Harmony is uh, in, the, uh, in the green room. She's eating all my donuts, my virtual donuts that are in the green room. She's eating them all right now. What the heck? Save me some with sprinkles. Let's check this out here and see what's going on. We will add Harmony Tomaszewski to the program and see what she has to say. Good morning, Harmony. How are you? Morning. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on board. Let me adjust your volume just a little bit here from my end. We're just going to do a quick adjustment there. Make sure you're because you're coming in loud and proud this morning. Are you ready for are you ready for this? The grilling that's going to happen right now? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, actually, no. <laughs> yes, you know. No, no, don't worry. This will be this will be painless. I mean, just think of it like we're having a cup of coffee and uh, having a conversation about everything that's going on and what's happening. Okay, so um, it'll be quick and easy. It'll be over before you know it. So don't worry about it. Uh, all right. So you, everything looks, cl pictures clear, sounds clear. I'm going to put you back in the green room where you can eat some more donuts, and we will be back uh, here in just a second. Okay. 
Thanks. See you and in a minute. You're gonna. This is this is how it's gonna look for you when you're when we're when we're talking. So just so that you know, if you want to center, I see you were centering yourself. I know. I little. I'm a little OCD on that myself. I'm like, I gotta be in the center here. All right. So you hold on. We'll be right back to you, and uh, we'll uh, we'll continue on here. All right. Um, oh, and Harmony, if you're listening still, when you hear the ding here in just a second, what you're gonna hear, right? When you hear that and we're talking, that means that we're 30 seconds from rejoining the radio. And so we need to some wrap up whatever we're talking about. You'll only have one commercial break to deal with here in about uh, 10, 15 minutes. So don't worry about it. Okay. Um, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's do the thing and do it all. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Man, only 12 of you have liked the show. What the, what the, what? Back with more. Let's get it done. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Happy Valentine's Day. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. I mean, uh, my daddy is here. He's in the chat room hanging out with us. Hey, Dad, how you doing? Uh, but I am no, I'm not your daddy. Uh, this is a little bit different talk radio show than you're probably used to, the Michael Duke Show. Uh, we're diving down into it now, moving up into the interior, uh, and we're talking about local elections, but not the ones you normally would focus on. We're talking about elections to the GVEA, Golden Valley Electric Board, which uh, I think, again, as I was saying earlier, is kind of one of the undersung. I mean, people aren't really paying attention to it. You know, we all got our ballots in the mail, right? And they had names on them. But it wasn't like there was public forums or debates or discussions about the topics or anything else. It was just like, do you want to vote for them? And it was like, who are they? What do they what do they believe in? Where do they stand? Uh, and I did get involved in a couple races in the past just because I thought some of these issues are important, especially with some of the things that were going on during my time living in Fairbanks. Uh, but uh, Harmony Tomaszewski is uh, joining us this morning. She has thrown her hat in the ring for the uh, uh, for these races. And so we want to chat with her and kind of get the full rundown of what's happening. And she joins us uh, right now. Good morning, Harmony. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Good. Well, I'm a little glad. early. It is a little early. Come on. I've been up for over an hour and a half. I mean, this is not that big a deal. No, I, I understand. It's a little early. I, I appreciate you coming on board and uh, being part of it. We're trying to catch people who were on their way to work. That's all I could say, right? Everybody's on their way to work now. Uh, so, Harmony, first and foremost, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, where you came from, a little bit of your background so that they can get to know you. And then we'll talk a little bit about the uh, race itself. So, yeah, um, I've been resident of Fairbanks since about 83, I think it was, came up as a young girl, uh, lived here since forever. I am married, as many people know, Frank Tomaszewski. I've got five kids, two grandkids, um, and we've had a business since 2002. Um, so I've run a couple of businesses and I've done a lot of activities and volunteering in our community. Um, so yeah, currently I make birch syrup. I mean, 
and <laughs> yeah, one you, of those random things. <laughs> yeah, you had me at birch syrup. That's all I'm saying. You had me at birch syrup. There's nothing that I like a little bit more than some birch maple syrup. Those kind of I love that. It's for that's for good. That's good stuff. Um, all right. So you've been involved, uh, you know, in the community for a while, uh, you know, and and uh, been part, like you said, volunteers. What made you decide of all things that, uh, you know, uh, you know, I want to do this thing? Because that's, again, most people who want to make a difference, you know, they don't run for dog catcher. You know, they end up running for, you know, borough assembly or city council or, you know, a mayorship or something or the, or the legislature. Um, but, you know, what made you say, oh, this GVA thing, this is off. I've got to go. What was the aha moment for you to say, I think I need to run for this? What uh, what made you decide that this is the important seat that you need to hold? Um, I think I've always been interested in volunteering, whether it's, you know, with the kids sports or running co-ops. I've been on a couple other boards. Um, back in 2019, I opened my electrical bill and I got really mad. I was like, this thing just keeps going up. I felt frustrated. <laughs> And they happened to put a MAC, a member advisory committee application in the bill that time. And so while I was mad, I'm sitting there typing up on the computer and applying for this member advisory committee. And then I promptly forgot about it. You know, life goes on, you're busy or doing things. Um, but then they contacted me. And so I have been on the member advisory committee for five years. I just turned out. And it's a once a month meeting. They have tours of different facilities and it's a lot of education about Golden Valley. Um, so I've really got to know a lot of the background. I've been able to have a lot of presentations. I'm, you know, hear from the board members, see where their goals are, what is important to them. And I've been able to hear from the employees and the staff and it's been great and educational. Uh, so. I've seen the board and the decisions they've made. And I keep asking at the member advisor committee, what's your long-term goal for rate reduction? How are you, you know, we're a member owned cooperative. So how are we representing the members with the rates? Because we have a lot of really good goals and a lot of things are doing, but it always seems to be that rate reduction or that rate doesn't seem to be first in their thoughts or second or third. So, so this needs to be a priority. This is important to our members. Um, our costs of living in Fairbanks are so expensive that we have to be aware of this. So I really right. I just thought this is important. Someone needs to do something. And here I am. Um, We've owned electrical contracting business for, was it 12, 15 years? Uh, so I've worked with a lot of energy rating stuff with, with um, weatherization with energy already. So it just kind of all fit in together and I'm kind of a doer. So I see some things that need to be improved, some things that I'd like to have focus on. I just I think we need someone to be asking questions to the board and putting the members first at every conversation. Uh, when I lived in Fairbanks, <clears throat> now I moved down. Uh, this is my 10th year. Uh, I moved 10 years ago, which, damn, the time just flies. But uh, I was so amazed 
um, that after eight months uh, being down here, I realized going through bills and books and budgets and everything, I realized that I had saved over $5,000 in eight months of simply by simply moving my family 340 miles, I had saved a tremendous amount of money. And I realized how much of my income was being sucked into just that cost of living between the heating and the electric. I mean, my electric bill was three, $400 a month. Every doesn't matter how many lights I turned off or power saving measures. I tried. It was just, it was an older house. I had four, five kids at home, uh, being homeschooled. The kid, everybody was home all day. You know, it was, it was an expensive deal. Um, and so I can definitely feel that. I mean, I, I felt like as a member owned cooperative, it was almost like we were the afterthought in many ways. The members were the afterthought. And it's interesting to hear you say that that, that the idea of lowering the rates to the members who collectively own it is, you know, would not be a number one, would not be a number one priority out there. So as I look at this and we start talking about the things that you want to focus on, I'm assuming uh, that as a board member, that's got to be near the top of your list of priorities is making sure that ratepayers, because again, if it becomes impossible to live there because, you know, the, the, the per kilowatt hour cost and the fuel surcharge and everything else that they're tacking on there just becomes so egregious. Uh, I imagine that people will start making the same decision that I did, which is, boy, there's got to be a better place to live in Alaska than this. Uh, and so talk to me about your priorities as you go in here and what you see as the biggest, your priorities. And then secondly, what do you see as the biggest challenges for the GVA board moving forward? Uh, I definitely think putting that rate reduction first in every conversation saying, how are we serving the members? How is this going to affect the rates? What can we do long-term strategies that we can take care of it? Um, I really think we need transparency with the board. They have a lot of executive meetings. Um, I don't know, maybe they're doing more with rate reduction than we know, but we aren't able to be aware of it. And so I really want more communication, um, figuring out, you know, there's a Facebook that complains about Golden Valley. They have almost 2000 members and 2000 people being so upset that they're getting on this Facebook page complaining about their rates and they don't feel heard and they don't feel like they're getting answers. And so we really need to have that communication transparency so that the members understand what's happening. If they're owners, they need to share and actually participate and understand what's happening. Um, I think we need to have more common sense. They're making some choices right now with wind power, with shutting down the Healy coal plant, and the timelines aren't matching up. Um, it's, they said, well, maybe we'll put the coal plant back up if we need it, which they're probably going to because the timelines aren't matching up. But in the meantime, you have people from that coal plant that are finding other jobs, which is reasonable. They've been told this is going to be shut down. right? And so you're losing people and you're losing the opportunity to open that or keep it open for longer. So having that reliability of the electric is so important. And I just think some of these decisions, we just need to work out a little bit more before it's finalized. 
Right. Well, it's interesting because I've heard these arguments before. Well, we'll just shut it down for now, but if we can always bring it back up. It's not like you flick a switch and you're like, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. Uh, Because, as you said, there are people involved there. And you can't spin a plant down and mothball it and expect to turn it back on, you know, a week later. It, It takes time. It takes, you know, sometimes months to bring a plant back online. And I know everybody wants to go for wind power and renewables and all this other kind of stuff, but it's kind of tough in the interior. I mean, even, you know, solar is, we don't get enough daylight gain for the most part to be able to offset a lot of that stuff. Wind is intermittent and it can't provide the surge power that could be provided by power plants and other things. And although the the Healy plant has been problematic, look, let's no, there's no doubt about it. The Healy plant yeah. was, uh, you know, had some had some experimental technology on it when they first built it, and it was a you know hot mess. And they they've tried to get it, but but it still provides better, cleaner, more consistent power than anything else we have. I've been questioning the shutdown of the plant since I first heard about it, and I was like, what? I mean, we we had some insight into that here, but. 15 years ago uh, when they were talking about it. And I was like, well, you know, they've got to get it fixed because this is the way to keep everything running. But now, like you said, they want to move everything to wind, but it's just not consistent enough. And I understand that they understand people want to move off of fossil fuels and everything else, but it's got to make sense. You can't interrupt everything. You can't endanger everything with uh, moving off of fossil fuels and do it to the point. I mean, to me, You'd have to have everything up and running, and you probably should wait a year before you shut down any power plant on the system and because and have everything up and running for a year to make sure that everything works before you're like, oh, we're done. We're almost there. Go ahead and shut it off. We're almost there. And that seems to be right. the answer right now. Well, it's difficult because there's so many issues, and they say, well, we'll just bring electricity up the transmission lines. We'll bring it up from Anchorage, from Kenai from down to other sources, but they're having struggles with electric too. There's all sorts of shortages with the LNG. They're talking about shutting down the Klutna. Um, you know, we can't rely on other sources from the from the transmission lines. We can't right. say that we're just going to get that power and buy it from somewhere else because look, didn't I just read that the governor had called Jay Bear and they turned all of their heat down to 65? I mean, they. Yeah, this I mean, is crazy, and we're going to rely on that. That's going to be our backup. Yeah, that we can't. We don't know that that's available, and so we have to have some other decisions. And the wind, Eva Creek, has not been reliable. Has not been working for the majority of the year. Right. No, I mean, again, this is the problem. We're just going to depend on the inner tie. Meanwhile, we're down here being told that at any moment we may have to shut your gas down to where you have to keep your house at 55 degrees. And, you know, we've got power, turn off all your lights and, you know, potential for rolling blackouts. And I mean, all this other kind of stuff. Do you think adding the load of another community onto that is going to be helpful? Not to mention the fact that at that point, it becomes a generation issue where you're going to have to pay more for it because it's coming up the inner tide than it would if you generated it yourself. Um, and again, I don't understand a lot of these points that they're trying to make. I understand where they're trying to go, but the decisions they're making to get there seem to be, in my mind, just a little um, just just a little foolish. Let's put it that way. All right. Harmony Tomaszewski is our guest. She's a candidate for the GVEA board. We're going to continue to talk with her in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. 
Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're back with more right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. GVEA wishes they ran on 100% pure beard power. I'm telling you right now, that would be awesome for them. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey in the chat room just said, the board has been taken over by eco-warriors. Now, I don't know because I haven't been paying close enough attention to it. I mean, I'm still a GVEA member. I still own property in Fairbanks. You know, I've still got a, I'm, you know, a, but at the same time, I'm just, it's not, it's not high on my radar. And I think that's a lot of it, uh, Harmony, is that although people get upset, they're not paying attention. I mean, I talked about my journey of I got a ballot in the mail with a bunch of names on it and said, who would you like to vote for? And I'm like, well, where do these people stand? Where's the discussion? Where's the conversation? Uh, and of course, the counter argument to that is, well, people should just be paying closer attention. Yes, but at the same time, you're not making it easy. You're not you're not giving us a chance to have a forum or something where everybody can sit down and talk about this. Um, and, uh, you know, I think more people, this, this affects them directly. I think people should be paying less attention about what Trump and Biden or the Congress is doing versus what's going on in their own backyard, because this affects them every month, right? Yes, definitely. You know, the board, there are a lot of really nice people on that board who are putting in a lot of work and trying to make these decisions. Um, and, you know, there's probably information out there that we don't know, but that's because they haven't shared it with us. They haven't helped us to understand why this is a good plan. Um, and at this point, with what they've shared or what we know, we just don't see it coming together. The thing is that, yeah, we have lives, we have jobs, we have families, we have things to do, and we haven't been paying attention. And I hadn't been prior to getting on the Mac and, and getting upset and getting involved so who has been talking, who has been getting involved are the climate activist committees. They're organized, they're coming into the board meetings, they're writing letters, they're showing up. And so that has been a priority and some of that is really good. We want to make reasonable and good decisions. We want to have clean air, clean water, doesn't everybody? Um, but we also have to have it balanced and have common sense with it. We've gone from 2005, they started with 10% green energy and renewables, and it's gone to 20%. And now it's a, they want to be 26% renewables by 2030. And that's because that's what they're hearing our membership wants. And so we really need to get involved and say, yes, that's great, but let's also make sure we're looking at our rates. Let's also make sure that we are making it possible to live here. People on fixed incomes aren't going to, it's not sustainable <laughs> between our property right. taxes, our right. electric, it well, just goes up and up and we've yeah. got to take a stand. I want to, and I, I we're going to have to repeat that when we come back to the radio, because that it's actually very powerful. And you're right. People need to be paying attention to this. Michael says <clears throat> in the chat room in response to my comment, he goes, well, people are concerned about World War III. I 
sure. I mean, we're all concerned about national and international issues. Don't get me wrong. But what what can we do to affect that? Not a lot. We can worry about it and and everything else. But I mean, what can we do to affect that? Not much. Buy some more food and water and make sure you're prepared in case something goes on. That's about all you can do. But this, what we're talking about here, you can have a day to day effect on your on your uh, uh, on your electric bill and on your your electric rates because again, it is a member owned cooperative. So it's it's just. Uh, it's it's good stuff. Um, uh, Harmony, uh, uh, I'm just I'm sorry. I'm just I'm thinking about my experience. Now I did 45 years in Fairbanks, uh, and then the warden allowed me my parole, and I was paroled out and unable to go. But I did. I was thinking about that when I left because I, I, you know, before I left, of course, you know, I did the pro and con list, right? You know that everybody does. What's the pros of leaving? What's the cons of? And that's when I really started looking at my bills. And I realized that that was the winter before had been that winter that was, oh, I don't know, 57 below or colder at my house for more than almost 30 days, you know. And I realized, I mean, between the heat and the power and the mortgage, I was $3,300 in the hole every month before I even put food on the table or, you know, tires on the car, gas in the car or, or whatever. And I just realized that I can't. If I'm going to retire, how am I going to make it on 60% of what I'm making right now? It was just, it was going to be an impossibility, you know? And I think a lot of people were making that decision. When your electric bill, and I got down here, my electric bill was under half of what it was there. Um, and uh, forget about the heating, just the electric itself. Um, but it's it's kind of crazy when you look at that. And that's forcing, I think, a lot of people to move away. Right. Yeah, my sister lives in Montana and her rent is less than my electric bill. I mean, that's just wow. crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's isn't how it should be. That's when people really make a decision. When your rent is less than my electric bill, we have questions. We have questions. All right. Well, we're gonna jump back into it here and I'll start again talking about what you were just talking about with the um, with the special interest, because I think you're right. They're organized. They're, you know, that's that's the good stuff. So let's get back to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do this thing. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Duke's. I'm only saying I'm kind of smart. That's all I'm saying. Just kind of, you know, you know, kind of smart. Harmony Tomaszewski is our guest. She's a candidate for the GVEA board. That's the Golden Valley Electric Board, the cooperative up in the interior dealing with electricity. Um, I know that the folks down in the peninsula and uh, parts of the HEA, I know they get all spun up about this stuff as well. Always seems there's something contentious going on, but we've got to pay attention. Now, during the break, Harmony and I were talking, somebody in the chat room made a comment about eco-warriors being, you know, kind of in charge of the board or influencing the board. And Heather made an interesting point. That is, is that folks who are who are dedicated to environmentalism and some of these things, they're coordinated. Right. They're 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 together. They're grouped up. They they have made decisions and they're organized. And so they are becoming the loudest voice that the board is hearing. And the board has some of its members on it as well. And so 
of course, that's the direction they're moving because that's all they're hearing because nobody else is getting involved. You also talked about what their goals, how their goals have shifted. So Harmony, give us, tell us again what you just said here about, you know, what we're, what you're seeing, what you were watching and where the goals are going. I think it's just that we're not getting involved anymore, that we're not hearing from the regular people. I mean, can anyone say they've sent one email to the board at Golden Valley in the last year, in the last three years. I mean, we we get upset, we get frustrated, we see our bill, we see things aren't moving the right direction or how we want it, but we're not following through with it. And we're expecting them to know, and we need to speak up and we need to vote. You know, we had, Golden Valley had three board member positions up and available. No one else put in their name. They had no other candidates to run against the incumbents. That's That shows the level of activity we have in our community of people who are paying attention, of who are getting involved, that no one stepped forward. Um, before that, you know, for Golden Valley elections, for the board of directors, you have to have 10% of that district vote where they don't count the votes. The incumbent wins. I have been at, I want to say two now, where I have been counting or there to count the ballots, and there weren't enough to count. So we as a community as Fairbanks, if we're not voting, if we're not paying attention, who is? Right. And again, these folks who are what uh, I guess the listeners would consider to be on the environmentalist side or the eco-warrior side, they again are organized and they are together and they are very good at writing letters and showing up and being at meetings and doing like that. And that's changed That's changed the way that GVEA has looked at things. You, you talked about the renewable goals. Tell us again, the renewable goals have jumped significantly over the last uh, few years. Right. It started in 2005 and they had 10% and then they met that. So they raised up to 20 and now the current goal is 26% renewables by 2030, which, like I said, that isn't a bad thing, but we need to make sure that their renewables are working. Bradley Lake is fabulous. That's some of our cheapest electricity. So that's a good thing. I was the chair of the task force for the community solar, um, and we're trying to get that to become a program here. And it's a good thing. It would be a good program, but it also the way we wanted it set up wouldn't be a cost to anyone who wasn't choosing to participate. There are good renewables out there, but we just have to have that balance. We have to have that common sense and keep those rates in mind. Um, you know, you're talking about these special interest groups. I just read that the Alaska Center spent $100,000 to influence the board for the Chugach Electric. That's huge. And we just, we can't fight that with money. So we have to fight it, each one of us individually, by deciding we're going to do something. We're going to vote. We're going to call our neighbors and make sure they vote. We have to get involved. If you care, if you care about your community, care about your rates, you have to say, I'm going to do something. We've got to get involved. I mean, I would I would not disagree with that. We've got to get involved because otherwise we end up with plans like, you know, 
shutting down the Healy power plant before before the time is ready, you know, depending on wind that has not been generating what they said it was going to generate, you know, that, you know, uh, they ignored private projects that were trying to help out things like what Mike, uh, uh, what Mike, um, uh, I've just lost his last name out at the, out at the plant down there, out by Delta, the Delta wind farm and things like that. I mean, they, they've tried to do all these things and yet it, it just seems like we kind of just nod and go along with it. Um, and that's got to stop. We've, we've, I mean, we've got to stop. We've got to stop just going along with it. Uh, because if their number one priority is not the lowest possible rate for the rate payer, while continuing to keep the long-term goal on track, then that's a problem. I mean, do they even have a long-term goal other than to be at 26% renewables by 2030? I mean, that is that the end-all, be-all? Uh, I mean, because sure, we could do that. If if you don't care about the rate payer, we could do whatever you want. I mean, we could do we could make it all work. But if it makes it unaffordable to live there, what happens then? Right. We need the reliability. We need to make sure we have consistent power and reliable power. And that's really important. Uh, but I haven't seen any long-term plans. I haven't seen angles and it's hard. I mean, you know, inflation, everything is more expensive. We have a lot of things to consider, but when we consistently put money into things that don't work, that aren't working, that aren't thought out, that aren't, timelines aren't meshing, that's taking money away. I mean, we have to come up with a plan and they have to start thinking about it and how we're going to do that. Yeah. And jumping from one thing to the next isn't getting it done. Yeah. Mike Kraft. Thank you, Layla, in the chat room reminded me. It was Mike Kraft. That's who it was. I don't know why. I've known him for years and just, you know, apparently I'm getting old. Um so what is your priority as you go into this? We've got about four and a half minutes here, uh, Harmony. What is your priority if you're elected to the board uh, tomorrow? What would, you, what, would be, what would you hit the ground running with? Asking questions. I really, you know, I really am starting to research as much as I can now and asking questions and just trying to understand the decisions they're making and why they're making them and just making sure every conversation has members and rates as the first part of it. Um, you know, I would realistically, I would be one person on the board. <laughs> and so we know what being in the minority looks like. So, you know, are there going to be amazing changes? Probably not. But what can one person do? One person can stand up and start asking questions right. and start making plans and start finding solutions outside the box. And if nothing else, just start communicating so people are aware of what's happening. Well, and demanding the transparency you talked about, the fact that they're going into executive session all the time is questionable. Uh, I mean, I, again, I don't even know what their topics are because they're supposed to at least highlight the topics that they go into executive session for. But uh, if a if a board or an, if a body of, of people who are elected continually go into executive session, that immediately raises a red flag for me. Because, again, this is supposed to be a public process. So it uh, it should be 
it should be an interesting uh, it should be an interesting discussion, uh, especially as somebody pointed out earlier, and I've had this happen when your electricity bill on the kilowatt hour usage was lower than your fuel surcharge. You got to start asking questions about like how do we make this better? How do we make this better? Because uh, otherwise, it's just not going to happen. All right, we got ninety seconds here, Harmony. I want you to give me your elevator pitch on why we should vote for you for the GVEA board. You just bumped into me and said, "Hi, I'm Harmony, and I'm running for GVEA board." So give it to me. Tell me what's going on. Okay. Well, if you want Fairbanks to be an affordable place to live, if you want to be able to afford electricity, if you want your neighbors and your family and residents that live on fixed incomes to be able to afford to live here, we've got to start getting involved. And that means we need you to vote. We need you to vote. We need your neighbors to vote and to get involved and to care. Care about your neighbors enough to vote. And how do folks find out about you? I'm working on that. I've got a Harmony Tomaszewski for GVA board Facebook page. And I'm working on a website at the moment. They can always call me. I'm happy to put my phone number in the comments. I'm available pretty much any time or I'll get back to you. And I'm happy to talk about anything. Um, we just, I want people to ask questions. We yeah. need to ask questions. Got to, got to, got to do it. All right, Harmony. Thank you so much. Hold the line for a second, folks. We're out of time. we got to go. Mike Shower is coming up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. See, it wasn't painful at all, was it? It was just, it's just easy. Oh, it was still a little bit, a little uh, bit just, painful. Just a little <laughs> bit painful. Uh, Barbara says the cost per, cost per kilowatt hour should be the guiding principle, not the wishes of the eco wars. I mean, I think that's part of the problem here is that we've got a lot of pie in the sky. Wouldn't it be nice if we had free energy and could do all these things? And I agree. I mean, which again has been my question about why haven't we looked at micronuclear or nuclear batteries or some of these other things as well? I mean, why aren't we talking about those kind of things, especially in these remote communities where wind and solar are just not reliable? Um, you know, why aren't we looking at those alternatives? Uh, you know, the, the gas trucking and everything else that they're talking about. We're, we're stretching for all these reasons, but the bottom line is, is that ratepayers rate as a cooperative should always be the top priority. How can we give them the product, deliver them the product they need for the lowest price possible while still maintaining a long-term? And do they have a long-term vision? Is that, I guess that was a question I missed. Do they have a long-term vision here or not, do you think? Yes, they have a strategic plan and that's posted on their Facebook page. Uh, basically, it talks about the catalytic reduction system for Healy 1, um, developing the retirement for Healy 2, about the best, that's a battery system, about replacing that and getting that working, uh, securing a purchase power agreement with the wind company, which have you been to the meetings? They've had meetings consistently. And so I hope some people out there have been going to these meetings about the wind. Uh, there's... The ones that I've been to, a lot of people are upset about having these giant wind up at Murphy Dome. I don't know how many of you go hunting out there or go berry picking. I mean, it's right in the pathway of right services of the air. Um, it's in people's backyards. There's really should find out about it. It's it's right there on Murphy Dome. How is that going to affect us and our lifestyles that we choose up here? It's Yeah, it's know. a. It's a tough decision. Again, <clears throat> I think uh, 
I mean, my my answer is nuclear. But I mean, you know, they, nobody wants to talk about that, unfortunately. I mean, if you want solid, stable, I mean, look, electricity and power is the cornerstone of civilization. It really is. It's what it's what is is what is what allowed us to advance all these years in technology and everything else is affordable, uh, cheap and plentiful energy. And uh, if all we're trying to do is batten us down to the lowest usage possible um, at the, you know, and and basically box everybody into a corner and try and wean us off of fossil fuels because they want to do, of course, there's a whole nother discussion to be made about what it takes to create renewables, the amount of energy and, and I mean, we could go into that forever. But yeah, you're right. People need to be paying closer. To, they should be paying more attention to this than they do about what's going on, the impeachment in Congress and all the other stuff that's going on like today. I mean, great. That stuff's you could pay attention to it, but you can't do a thing about it. This is right there in your backyard. You could do something about it. Yeah, local is so important. We can affect so much change and it goes up. I mean, you know, the Golden Valley, people just don't even know it happens. But look at our school board or at our assembly. There's so many different areas that we get busy. We get forgetful. We don't pay attention enough. And so I'm really trying to reach out in a lot of different ways and get hold of people and let them know what's happening and ask them to get involved to this. Yeah. Well, that's what we need to do. We need to be paying attention to what's going on at home. That's, that's what's, that's what happens. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming on board. We appreciate you being part of it. Good luck. Um, I don't know. I don't get mail from Fairbanks anymore, so I don't even know if I can, even though I'm a member, I don't even know if I can vote for you or not, but you're right. We should be, we should be paying attention and I hope, I hope you get elected in there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. If you are a member or have a, an account with Golden Valley in the district, it's not only my district, mine is district four, which is actually part of downtown. It's Hamilton Acres, Shannon Park, Birchwood. It's part Chena Hot Springs, Gilmore. Uh, they're also having an election in District 7, which is Ninana and Clear, Anderson, Healy. And they actually have candidates this year. Okay. So there's a couple of different areas. Please find out and get involved. All right. Well, my dad's listening and he lives up on Gilmore. So probably you probably have a couple a couple votes there. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I haven't talked to him, but I can assume that uh, he's on board. All right. Harmony, thank you so much for coming on board today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your show and how much you talk about Fairbanks. And can I give a plug? Sure. Uh, I know that Barbara Haney was just speaking to you and how important it is with our tax cap. Yeah. We've gathered signatures and voted that in for decades, and they're messing with our tax cap. Yep. <laughs> That's not yep. okay. So Thursday, we need people to call in and give telephonic testimony and get involved. Here we are. We've got to speak up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Harmony, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on board. Thanks. Have right. a great morning. Thank you. Let's go over here. I think we've got Mike up on the thing. Can you hear me, Mike? Um, can you hear me, Mike? Yes. All right. I'm gonna call I'm gonna call you back because my thing is not picking up. So I'm gonna call you right back. Uh Mike Shower, uh, our guest here. Let me see if I can get this thing to work because stupid, stupid. Um Let's try this again, and we'll call him right now. How about that? There we go. Ah, there we go. Now I got it. 
How about now? How about now? I can hear you. All right, we're ready to go. You hold the line, my friend. I'm going to be right back to you. Mike Shower is our guest. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Get involved, folks. That's what you got to do. You got to get involved. Be part of it. That's the only way to make all this stuff work. Um, and uh, my hat's off to Harmony for uh, for for going out there, spending five years, five years on the advisory committee to get all that education. This would be a good place to put it to good use. All right, here we go. We're ready to do it. The Michael Duke Show, hour two is right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello, good morning. Happy VD. Hey, Doc, happy VD. Do you have a cream for that? It's Valentine's Day. Yeah, baby. Uh, and uh, we hope that you and your loved ones are ready to go for this uh, beautiful day. Uh, it's also Wednesday. We just finished up with Harmony Tomaszewski, who's running for the GVEA board up in the interior. Uh, you can go back and listen to that on the podcast if you missed it. It was a great discussion about, I think, the problems that many electric, electric cooperatives are having across the state in forgetting that the ratepayer should come first. It was a good discussion. And you should go back and listen to it on the podcast if you missed it. Uh, meanwhile, hour two, this is where we get a chance to talk with our good friend, Mike Shower, who is, of course, uh, my senator, senator for District O. He joins us this morning to discuss what ticks lunatics in politics. I mean, that's just, why not? Uh, I think uh, Harold said that you guys are, I think this is the closet caucus. And I love that. Actually, I think that's a great term. You guys are the, you're not the minority. You're the closet caucus. The the senators that were stuffed into little tiny closets around the building because you're bad kids who don't play well with others, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we're going to break out the popcorn and we're going to analyze some of the things that have been going on. Uh, around the session here the last week, and uh, we'll start right now. Hello, my friend. How are you? I am fine. How are you? Oh man, it's uh, it's a, it's amazing what a sixty degree temperature swing can bring into your life, right? I mean, I feel so much better in so many ways right now. Uh, well, but, 
Yeah. Well, it is a difference, isn't it? It is. It's it's just crazy, man. It's almost I mean, literally, uh, if it gets up to forty here, it will be a seventy degree temperature swing from twelve days ago, which is kind of insane when you think about it, uh, like that. And up in the interior it was even worse. It was like forty below and now it was it's already at sixty five degree swing, you know, it's just it's crazy. Anyway, um so Mike, how are things going, man? What's happening? What's the last week been like? Give me, give me some, give me some deets. Give me the juicy, spill the tea. Give me the juicy tea here. What's happening out down there in Juneau? Well, I've spent a lot of the week talking to House Republican members and uh, kind of trying to unify us as Republicans for opposition to the defined benefit plan that passed out of the Senate as we knew it would closely on the vote, but it passed. And so we're talking to quite a few of them and trying to say, look, here's all the reasons why this is not the best plan, not the best idea. There are alternatives to this that are going to be better for the state, better for the workers, uh, more desired by the younger new workers, all the reasons that we don't have to go over that we talked last week, but and spending a lot of time there trying to, uh, you know, help answer any questions they may have because, you know, they've had their hands full with other stuff. And rather than having them struggle and have to learn what's going on, you know, I'm trying to just tell them, well, look, here's here's kind of the deal. You know, here's what we've been arguing about and talking about, et cetera. So a lot of time on that one, um, just trying to get them ready for it. And and we'll see, you know, how that goes based on committees and, and whatnot. And let's see, I watched... The last uh, few days where the House minority Democrats have, as usual, taking something way out of context and trying to attack a Republican. And they're doing it for for politics, Mike. It's a low blow against Sarah Vance um, because they had that uh, House Tribal Affairs Committee meeting. And uh, you may have seen that. And uh, we talked. Yeah, we talked about we talked about that a little bit yesterday. And I will say that after the show yesterday, I actually got an email from somebody who works down in Juneau who gave me a little bit more backstory on that um, because I, I was saying what a kind of a, it was a dirty little. And it turned out that it was even dirtier than I thought that that Sarah was not forced to make any apology she decided to make an apology on the floor because she'd heard she'd hurt some people's feelings and she decided to do it but she made the mistake of mentioning it to calvin shreggy that she was going to do it and he immediately went over and got the minority to put out a press release at the same time to make much ado about i mean it's just dirty skeezy dirty it's just skeezy i mean the whole thing is just it's yeah it's it's the height of that kind of sleaziness in politics mike i mean it really is sarah didn't do she said nothing that was malicious or nefarious or anything like that at all i watched the entire sequence to make sure that i knew you know who had said what and you know i guess you know if there's anything you could say is like you know if you've got a bunch of democrats um and you say anything that's going to be something they can use as a political weapon just be careful about saying it or the place and time right because uh if there is something they can use to to throw mud at you um to try to assassinate your character to impugn your character they're going to take it and they'd love to have a liberal in homer um, in that district and kick sarah out so um and if you look at their press release you notice they don't mention anything she said they don't put any words down that Sarah said because they know it's garbage. 
it was a ridiculously low blow attack. Um, and I went and told her that too, you know, cause she was still pretty upset. Um, and she did feel like, you know, some people were upset about it and it's, she didn't say anything wrong. Um, you know, this really is akin, frankly, Mike, to people that back during the black blood, the height of the black lives matter, you know, a lot of people were saying, look, I, you obviously black lives matter, but you know, all lives matter. And then they were accused of all manner of being racist and haters and jingoist and every ish ism schism you could say right, against them right. was people were being called that and this is really this is very similar to that this is gaslighting this is impugning um this is character assassination at its height and the poor lady is you know somebody that's got a really good heart cares desperately i was talking to somebody last night about it and they were making the point that sarah nobody in this building has done more for human track trafficking for sexual assaults for women in this state than representative vance nobody mike she owns the issue she's done more she's tried to do more than anybody else in that building and for them to turn around typical low blow democrat garbage and make her the one that's done the most leading that charge seem like she's like against it it's just uh, it's so frustrating, Mike, to see that kind of garbage because they, you'll hear them talk, oh, we need to work together. We need to be, you know, bipartisan. We need to stop the divisiveness and heal the divide. You're the ones making the divide bigger with this kind of garbage. And it's just, um, it's very disappointing, although not surprising to see some of them act this way and do what they did. Um, so I just thought that was worth talking about because I spent some time with rep fans just to kind of, you know, bolt, you know, boost up her, uh, uh, you know, her, um, what's the right word? Uh, you know, just trying to keep her boosted up a little bit, right? Confidence to, hey, and self-esteem. You, you, yeah. No, your confidence. You did nothing wrong. Yeah. This is garbage. This is political. This is politics at its worst. And, uh, you know, don't worry about it. Right. Um, you know, tell your people what you're doing and and let them just look like the, you know, mean spirited, vindictive um, political hacks that they are because they are. It, yeah. was, it was terrible. But it, anyway, it so definitely it definitely gives you an insight into what kind of the the, the what the playing field is like down there in Juneau. It's definitely not uh, it's, it's definitely not fair square, you know, uh, kind of uh, stuff going on down there. Uh, I've had. I've well, had, they talk about all the politics, and it's yeah. like really, I'm like, like you guys didn't call for an override vote of the uh, governor's veto on education spending. Like that wasn't political. You knew going into that vote there weren't the votes to override it. So don't talk about you know being um, oh good players and trying right. to get along with people and heal because you guys called for a vote just to use as a political weapon. Well, it's the double, mean, they, it's, it's it's the double standard, right? I mean, Shreggy is whining about this house thing about HB one forty about how the minority hasn't been included in the in, oh the minority we just don't have a say. Baby, when you were in charge and you had the majority, you know, you treated the minority like redheaded stepchildren and just expected them to take it. And uh, and now but but you have the news media on your side. So you get to have your say about how you're so, uh, you know, poor and, and disenfranchised. And, of course, no mention about what's going on in the Senate at the same time uh, kind of thing. So it, it's or or that they're working with the Senate and certain senators are working with the yeah, House minority right. to undercut the House majority this time around, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't ever mention that, even though the press knows it, 
they've got their sources, Mike. They understand what's going on. Yeah. So it's it's just you know it's just dirty politics is what it is. You got to understand that in this whole context. But I I it's worth mentioning and getting the word out that you know Representative Vance was treated very poorly, and what they're saying is basically a flat out lie. And not allowing that because you know they've got their candidates down there. Like I said, there's yeah. the, the growing liberal bubble of Homer and some of them down there, the leftists and all the people buying property from California, you know, moving up to that little paradise because it is a it's a beautiful place. Um, you know that. I mean, but this is just them trying to build up ammunition to try to take that seat, that person out to gain that seat and get another Paul Seaton, you know, that yeah. might have an R in front of their name, but it's really a D. And that's, that's, right. that's as always, Mike, this is strategy. That's what this is about. This isn't because it was right thing to do or because anything happened. This is about ammunition for the campaign to give to a candidate that they can try to knock somebody out. That's why you always got to look deeper. Yeah. You know that. I mean, most of your audience does. Your audience is smart. They're savvy. They pay attention. And they know doggone good and well that things like this are nothing more than political attacks meant to build up a case to be used in the campaign um, to try to take somebody out. That's really what it is at the end of the day. You just got to know that. I had several people message me and email me yesterday after the show that they went out and watched the video, including some Alaska natives who said, this didn't, this was not offensive. This was not, I mean, I'm not offended by it. She was just stating that, you know, the truth. Uh, and I think, so again, I agree with you. I think it's much ado about nothing. Um, we're two minutes from the break here, Mike. What else, uh, what else have you been watching? What else is catching your eye right now? Oh, a lot of stuff on the budget and kind of paying attention to that right now, because that is, we're starting to see just some of the, and I'll, I, we will go into more details as we get closer, but, and I know we don't have enough time to dive in at the next minute, but a lot of, you know, Things like uh, watching Department of Corrections, you know, with a budget that's increasing by many, many millions of dollars. And then <laughs> the irony of ironies, right? We get the data that says, oh, they're, uh, I think, $14 million short or some number like that, $11 million, $14 million, I don't know, something. And, oh, by the way, they're short on it because the folks that are felons in prison, that, that their PFDs get sent to the state um, because the PFD has been so low. They don't have enough money. Um, and now they have to increase their budget. <laughs> so the unintended consequences of things like that just kind of cracked me up that nobody uh, nobody thinks about. And Ada, I think, had, you know, that was one we were looking at that had a whole bunch of, uh, they're supposed to give you X amount of dollars to the state from their fund. And they actually asked for more than they're giving, you know, and, and as far as just some of these little things we dig out, Mike, the amount of money and stuff coming in um, is just uh, what, what was I told? $22 billion in COVID money that came in, and we don't even know where a fraction of it went. We have no accountability <laughs> on it. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was, uh, a, that was so. one of the biggest scams in history, right? Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, we're going to continue here. Mike Schauer is our guest. Uh, we're going to be back with more here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, don't forget, you can always join us out on Facebook if you'd like at facebook.com slash Show slash live if you want. Or just go to my website and click on the link there for Facebook. It'll take you right to it. You can join us in the chat room, talk with all the other listeners, get your take, join all the other legislative aides who are taking notes on the show today because you know they're out there because Mike will get a transcript later on today. Uh, we'll be back with more of The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Mike Showers, our guest here at the thing. I mean, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and then call, and then uh, Carlene from Kodiak called in yesterday at the end of the show. Uh, she's a, a, a sixty, I think sixty plus year old Alaska Native woman, and she said, "I saw it. I listened to it. It didn't offend me at all. I don't understand what the problem is." Uh, well, the problem is, is that it's political. The problem is, is that it's divisiveness. That's what we need to do. We need to be outraged. Outrage is what sells these days. And that's what that was really all about. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that's that's the that's the whole politics of divisiveness. You know, one of the oldest tricks of the book, Mike, divide and conquer. Like we've said before on the show, can you imagine if black, white, brown, yellow, red people in this country, in the world, really? united and realized we weren't the enemy of each other um and we were all just people that all bled red and want the same things we want decent jobs and homes and some, you know better lives for our kids and i mean if if we would realize that that we're not the enemy the power that we would have against the global elites and the ones with the wealth um would be unstoppable and they're scared to death of us figuring that out. So what do they do, Mike? They continually inflame the politics of, you know, racial hatred, class envy, name the issue. And they continue to fan device. What was it? Morgan Freeman said, we're never going to get over race. And you know, I'm paraphrasing, but we're never going to get over racism until we stop talking about it. Well, every time you go, I watch senators stand up and talk about race, race, race. And you see it every time you on the TV and this. And if it's not race, then it's, you know, something about, you know, immigrants or illegal immigrants, migrants. Come. If it's not that, it's something about wealthy and how we should hate them. If it's not that, we should. It's always about hate and divisiveness, Mike. They use it because it works and because we let them, you know, do that to us and divide us up. And so. It's, you know, it's an effective strategy, Mike. And the bottom line is, look, if it works, they're going to do it. It's like drugs, right? We have the war on drugs. Well, I don't know, man. There's arguments for and against legalizing, you know, drugs. But the reality is, as long as there's a demand, somebody's going to make money and figure out how to, you know, provide a supply. So, you know, as long as we let them divide us, they're going to continue to use it um, because it's a tactic that's been effective. What can you say? Politics. Nice. <laughs> That's it's exactly what it is. It's all politics and uh oof, man. Um oh, Lisa Lisa just said Lisa and Gary. <clears throat> they she just said uh they destroyed their own state and come here and look what is happening and she's talking about of course all these people like you said who want to move up from the lower That's what's always cracked me up. You saw this mass exodus from places like California. Um, you know, who are just like, oh, we can't live there anymore. It's the cost of living and this and that and all the other things are. And so then they go to places like, you know, Montana and Idaho and Washington. And the next thing you know, they're demanding the same kind of things that they had in California, completely oblivious to the fact that that's what caused all the problems and made them leave in the first place. It's like it's like a disease. It's spreading to other parts of the country. And it's just shocking to just shocking to watch. It's like a mental disorder, Mike. It's amnesia. It's like you go there and go, oh, look, it's beautiful here. We should 
you know, bring all of our wonderful utopian policies to this place because that's going to be great here. It's so nice, like you said, but they've forgotten the fact that their policies are what destroyed the place they left. And so it's like they have a perfect political amnesia. They just go, oh, let's let's enact the same stuff because this time it'll work, right? It's the old argument for socialism or Marxism or communism that college professors are so infamous in this country for, you know, filling garbage, you know, the, the minds of our young men and women with garbage and the philosophy saying, well, it's just because it's never been done right. You know, if you do Marxism and communism right, it'd be an absolute, you know, utopia. Now, me as a college professor, I'm going to be in that 1% at the top of it, you know, being taken care of. But, but, but ignore that, you know, ignore that the 1% are going to be even better off in a communist system where everybody's a slave working for them. But, you know, beyond that, it's a fantastic system. It'll work this time, trust me. <laughs> It'll work this time. You know why it's never worked? Because they just didn't do it right. Why communism has never worked? Because they've never done it right. We would do it right. <laughs> Sorry, I just I, all right. Here we go. Jumping back, jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the blah, yada 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 blah 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 blah. blah. <sighs> Let's do it. Here we go. Right now. The Michael Duke Show proudly splitting the left versus right. Uh, dichotomy? Yeah, I had to look that word up too. I don't think it means what he thinks it means. Here he is though, that guy, Michael Dukes, the one with the show. I mean, it's, it is the <clears throat> left and right dichotomy. It's not Republicans and Democrats. It's not conservatives and liberals. It's more government versus less government. More effective, more efficient government versus less government. That's how we need to be dividing our politicians these days if we're going to label them with anything. Mike Shower is our guest, uh, definitely a small G government conservative uh, who comes on board with us uh, about every week to kind of give us his rundown of what's happening. Because <clears throat> let's face it. He's got nothing else to do down there since they put him in the closet caucus and uh, and forced him off. And he and Shelly Hughes and, and uh, Rob Myers off into the corner because they just didn't like the cut of your jib, sir. They just didn't like it. And so they're trying to force you out. You guys are still doing some good work in the in the fringes. But boy, does it make it harder. I don't see any newspapers, Mike, talking to you about uh, or, or highlighting the fact that you're uh, voters are being disenfranchised. I mean, Calvin Schrage got a, a paragraph or two about how it's so bad that they've been cut out as a minority, but I don't see anybody talking about how the thousands and tens of thousands of people have been disenfranchised by you and Hughes and Myers being parked in the corner. I just, I find that interesting. Why would I do that, Mike? For now, we're, we're relatively irrelevant in the scheme of the politics of the Senate, right? So I don't have power. I don't have chairmanship. So, you know, I don't have that kind of stuff. So why would they pay attention to us? I mean, the funny thing is, is, you know, people don't think long term, right? It's like, do you think I'm going to be down forever? They may be kicking us to the curb right now, Mike, but things change. The people on top today may not be the people on top tomorrow. What if all of a sudden, you know, we get some good swing into the election seats and all of a sudden we're back in the majority sitting in the chairmanship of a committee or two or maybe in leadership? You know, it's like now what you're going to do, Bubba, you know, you think you're going to be welcome in my office when you've been treating us like garbage or you've been blowing us off or giving. I mean, that's how it works, Mike. I mean, you're not going to I'm not going to forget you know, how we've been treated by people when this goes on, because some of these people ain't going to be there forever, man. As far as it goes, I'm young. 
as I've said in the Senate, relative to most of the power players in here, they're old. Ain't going to be around forever, Mike. You got the Don Young syndrome. You know, you sit in those jobs forever until you die, and then you're gone. Um, And so the reality is be careful how you treat people, right? I mean, we are being waylaid by a few people, just a handful, that, you know, really a lot of this goes back to like 2019, right? I mean, how it went and the the votes back then with the governor and the vetoes. And there's some very angry people that just aren't forgetting that, you know, how that went back then and not moving on and governing. So, you know, if you think that, you know, well, the press is ignoring us now. And, and of course, there are, most of them are aligned with the Democrats in the House. So, yeah, they're going to give them the microphone. You think they're going to give the microphone to the three conservative Republicans in the Senate shoved into the closet caucus? No. But if you think that they're not smart enough to look long term. Oh, those three senators. I mean, maybe uh, you know, maybe next uh, year they're going to be in power. You know, back. Uh, maybe we should not blow them off, right, or treat them like garbage, or tell their story too. You know, I mean, I did see one, for example, like Shelley Hughes got a Senator Hughes got a quote, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago from the press on some stuff, and you know, it was I think a, maybe a quote re- regarding the veto overrides, if I remember right. Anyways, mm-hmm. got a little bit in there. I'm like, oh, that's that's fair reporting. See, that's objective. That actually has some voice from every one of them. Let's talk about um, what would probably happen over Senate Bill or uh, Senate Bill 140 with the education spending. You know what's going to happen, Mike? The Senate majority. You think they're going to give a voice to the Senate minority? Do you think that they're going to let one of us sit on the conference committee over that education funding and the transparency of funding and charter schools and all that? You think they're going to allow the conference committee that's always six, right? Three and three, three from each body, two from the majority, one from the minority. Do you think they're going to let us have one of the three of us be on that conference committee? No, they're not. So do you know what's going to happen on the, on the negotiations for Senate Bill 140 and the massive spending that that's going to increase, that they're going to try to increase? It's going to be three center or left of center people that are all for it out of the senate the house majority is going to get its two people that are going to try to fight for those changes and then they're going to put one from that democrat left-wing house minority so they're going into it the game's already rigged mike it's going to be a four to two of more left-leaning more liberals big spender big government types and it's going to be two that aren't that's it so the fix is already in before we even get there and these are the kind of things that they're going to do and to your point, do you think the press is going to say, well, you know, hey, uh, you know, Senate president, how come you guys didn't put somebody from the minority so you have a, you know, a counter voice? Oh, they're not going to say that. They're not going to ask that question. Um, and that's how it's going to roll. I had a long serving um, former legislator bring a couple people from a school district, not not from my district, but from another one. And he, the reason he stopped by last week during the debate, he's like, hey, he's like, Mike, if you don't mind, I'd like you to sit and talk to these two people from this school district in the rural areas and, you know, give them kind of the counterpoint. It's like all they're hearing is how this is great and we need to spend more money. And he's like, they're not getting the rest of the story because nobody's taking them. And it's the only ones that stop by. Um, not from my district. I had one or you know, just a handful stop by from inside my political district, Senate district. And he's like, they need to hear this because they're not hearing all of the counter reasons about why and why transparency might matter and, and accountability and what you guys are saying. And he's like, nope, they're not hearing it. And uh, so it was just fascinating to see that's it, right? And I used to have so many lobbyists coming in and all this stuff. And now it's, it's almost nobody. Oh, you guys aren't important. But you watch. 
all of a sudden the dynamics change. Maybe we pick up some seats and some conservatives get in, and the next thing you know, we've we've got a strong minority or back to a Republican majority, you know, because there is a slim chance that could happen. And all of a sudden, people are going to want to come visit. And oh, you know, we we think you're great. I'm like, yeah, you do. Sure, I know. So I can watch and take notes um, and see how it goes, Mike. And again, it's politics, but you're not wrong to say that, you know, that we are being ignored right now and we're not going to be given a voice. We're the counter voice to the very left-leaning Senate majority right now, because the reality is that's what it is. And that's what a minority does, right? Mike is the one that has some voice and they go to them and, hey, can you guys give us a quote? You know, what, what do you think about what they're doing? What's the opposing points, right? That's the democracy, the republic we're in, right? We're supposed to have that broader debate. Well, there ain't no debate in the Senate, man. We're just shut down. They're just rolling us, you know, and, and doing what they're doing. So um, you want to talk about how minorities being excluded? Ah, the House minority, Mike, I mean, they, they're almost half and half in that body. They got a real voice. They can block things. They can do stuff. They have press resources and all kinds of things given to them and committee assignments. That ain't the case. Walk down the hall of the Senate, brother. That's a different story. Right. We have no resources. We have no committees. We have no voice in the sense of being able to do the work during the session other than if we speak on the floor. We're not getting any attention from the press. We have no, no nothing to be able to do what the House minority is doing, being treated very poorly. Um, and this has really not ever happened in the Senate like this. Like I said, even when you go back to the unrecognized minority of four, or what, about 12 years ago or whatever it was, they were all given committee assignments. You know, I mean, so... It's a very different game right now. But like you said, the press isn't reporting on it. People aren't talking about it. Um, and, you know, but uh, like all things, Mike, <laughs> times change. The pendulum swings. The pendulum swings. That's, pendulum what, swings. that's what it all comes right. down to. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about some of the bills. HB 140, of course, we've got till the end of the month till that uh, funding for the Internet runs out. And so they're under a bit of a deadline. What are you hearing um what are you hearing about HB 140? I mean, we had the I had the conversation from the news report this morning, but what are you hearing behind the scenes? What What are your thoughts on where HB 40 is going to end up? You mean Senate Bill 140, right? HB, I'm sorry, the S. I'm sorry, you're right. SB 140. My bad. Okay. Yeah, I mean there are there is an HB 140. I just don't know the number. It's like 600 bills standing. What about this bill? I don't know. I have to look at it. Most of the bills don't even, you know, make the headlines. It's just the big ones that are catching your attention right now. So, yeah, Senate Bill 140, like I said, that's that's why I kind of talked about it, because that's kind of the debate going on now, too. But I, you know, that it seems like the number is going to be somewhere around 680 on the BSA um, that the Senate's setting up the, the fight for, right? Because you had all the teachers and lobbyists and NEA types and others that have been running around with these big buttons that said 1413. They want a $1,413 $1, increase, Mike. That is, I think that was about $400 million. So every year, when we're already spending almost $3 billion on education. So I'm just looking at them going, where do you think we're going to get this money from? You know, well, it's not our problem. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be. Because if you take a look at the budget, the budget the governor handed us had about a billion dollar deficit in it, right? Because you've got the PFD that they've decided to include in the budget battle. So here we go, which that billion dollar deficit with about 2.3 billion, I think, in, in revenue from the permanent fund itself, ballpark numbers. I mean, it's, we're just discussing it right now, not not nuanced down to the, the penny. 
But if you do that, you know, we got about 1.3 billion left over. That would be about a $2,000-ish um, PFD, roughly. But, you know, Mike, that's before 200 million or 300 million or almost 400 million of education spending. That's for 100 plus or what it's ever going to be for a defined benefit plan if it was to go through. That's not including the 100 to 125 million every year of it just increased costs. That's not you know, ADA not giving us all the money they're supposed to, you know, when a lot of it's going mostly to personnel, that's not another 14 or 30 million or 35 or whatever it is from the department. That's not that it, and on and on it goes, right? <clears throat> so when you consider that the state already, as I've said many times, and I'm going to keep saying it, is about a half a billion dollars of new spending just for what's on the books already before any of these bills or anything else is passed or agency spending goes up. Mike, Give us a couple years down the road, there's not going to be any money left to do anything with and play with because guess what? By their own admission, as I said last week on the program, that means that to pay the dividend, we're going to have to tax people for the supersized dividend. I mean, you're going to you're gonna have to tax people to pay a statutory dividend following the law because we've decided to increase government spending so much that you'd have to take every penny of the dividend right, which was the path we're on, and you're still going to have to tax. And this is the logic I look at, like some of the union members and others that were coming through those big buttons. I'm like, do you not see that? We need to have a good education system. So what? So when you graduate all these kids from your education system, they all go down south to Texas and Florida where the jobs are? Because there ain't going to be anything left in the state. You better focus all of your public education now on teaching them how to get a government job. Because that's going to be the only thing left in the state. Right. They're not going to be anything else, Mike, because we're going to overspend to the point we're going to bury it. We're not. Cal I mean, look, at least California's got 40 million people, plus probably another 10 million illegals to draw from to tax with massive income taxes and sales taxes locally, et cetera, et cetera. At least they have a, a pretty big economy. I mean, they're doing their best to kill it, but at least they have it right. I mean, they can tax it and and whatnot. And they have a lot of people in, in massive, you know. Um, businesses to to get money from. What do we have in Alaska to do that? Other than the old golden goose, you know, of the oil industry, Mike, we don't have anything to support well, this kind of government largesse. We don't have the base. Well, and we don't have the will because the fiscal policy working group put out a plan that said, here's what we could do. And yes, it would be an increase in oil taxes. And yes, it would be a small sales tax. And yes, it would be a small cut. And it would be a little bit of everything. But there's no political will to even discuss any of that stuff. No, no, there's not. That vaunted house minority you were talking about a few minutes ago, they didn't bring this to the forefront uh, or to the floor to vote on a couple of years ago when we had it out there, the Senate shot it down, would not allow it to go through Senate finance. So it wouldn't make it because some of them don't want some part of the plan, right? Like they don't want the spending cap, right? They don't want to be constrained in spending. Oh, but they want to, you know, take the dividend down, you know, and use that of course, but they don't want the spending. So that was the point of the plan, right? That was the grand compromise. Everybody didn't like all of it, which is the best you're going to do in a political body that is divided but it was an answer to solve the problem moving forward. So we stop fighting about it every year. It gives us some stability in spending um, moving forward. And that's something that the business, the private sector, needs to see to invest in the state. As we've said a thousand times in this program, what business person wants to invest in the state when you don't know how we're going to be doing from year to year? Because we have wild swings in spending and policy. Um, and, you know, when the oil 
price is high, we have money and we spend it. When it's low, we, we want us, we don't have anything to spend. So because we're that petro state that's so de- dependent upon the, the price of oil, it makes it very hard because we won't rein ourselves in. We don't want to constrain ourselves, right? right. And, you know, show me the money, Mike, as it goes into different dishes. So it's, it's, there's economic development coming, you know, on the oil patch with some things that are happening. And that's great news. And, you know, I want to be positive, but it's, it's a struggle um, for that. All right, Mike Shower is our guest. We got one final segment dead ahead. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the journey of defined benefits, uh, the energy things, and we're going to talk about uh, paid daycare as well. We're going to continue with that. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Mike Schauer is our guest. Uh, Randy had an interesting question. He says, Senator, well, a statement, not a question. Senator Schauer, please agree to join the the majority. We need your voice on some of these committees. To which the chat room, including Harold, all came back and said, that's not going to happen for a variety of reasons. Uh, And he says, why? This is all basically, uh, you know, uh, Mike, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it this all falls down to the binding caucus, right? I mean, this all falls down to yeah. being extorted to have to give your vote for something and binding by rules that it, the, with a rigged game, right? Yeah, Mike, this this always is about the binding caucus. If you don't agree to that, which all nine Democrats are more than happy to sell their souls, you know, to a majority because they they're, they want to vote for the budget. They want big government. They don't care. They're going to vote for every penny of spending we give. So that is no problem for them to agree to join with whatever Republicans are happy to swing power to the Democrats in the Senate because they want power. Right, Mike? So if you are going to agree to give your vote to them for the budget, well, then they're going to find a reason to exclude you. And they found a very convenient reason that the press won't ask them questions on, that they don't get called out on from people enough to make the point that the Republican Party in Alaska is absolutely weak need. When it comes to fighting about this and telling them to stick together, right, as Republicans and get over any petty personal differences and govern. And so, yes, it's about the binding caucus. And so what do they do? They can't they know that's become like a dirty four letter word. We've been very successful, you know, over many years now of of making the binding caucus this thing where people realize that's not the best way to govern. It makes it messier, makes it harder. but That's okay. You know, it's the republic is supposed to work that way. Right. It's not supposed to be easy. That's a dictatorship. That's very efficient, but it usually doesn't work out well for the people. So, yes, it's about the binding caucus. And the three of us have repeatedly said we're, you know, we want to work with everybody and we're happy to. And we work great with them behind closed doors and we can all be unified on stuff, but we're not all going to agree on everything. And I can't give my vote, Mike. That's illegal. It's in the law. We just like many things. We don't follow that law. So what do they do? Right. They can't use the binding caucus as an excuse because they know that's not popular and they're going to get called on it. So they got to do something else. They got to they got to impugn our character. They got to say, oh, we're bad people or we're hard to work with. We're we're all the things that they are, but they're going to project like they're very good at and saying we're the problem when we're not. But 
you got to have a reason, Mike. You can't just exclude Republicans because that's going to make it that's going to make people question you and what you're doing. So, you know, you hear rumors and you hear all the stuff being floated around how we're terrible and we can't do that. Now, it's all garbage, Mike. We get along with everybody just fine. Well, minus one or two, maybe. But it ain't us. That's the problem. It's them. Right. But um, that's not what they can say. Right. Because it's back to that politics. Like we talked about Sarah Vance. Well, you got to impugn somebody so that you can make your statements, your actions acceptable to people by saying, well, well, the reason we did that is because this person is X, Y, Z. Right. If you do that and impugn their character, then people will give you, oh, well, yeah, well, obviously, you know, you guys are probably better join with the, the, the nine wacky left wing Democrats and those three conservatives because they're just, you know, whatever. Right. And if they can sell that lie, if they can sell that narrative and the press picks up on it, and reports it and the party lets it go by the, the Republican Party get lets them get away with it. Well, what happens? Mike, they're going to use that all day long because then they get their votes. They know the budget's going to be exactly what they want it is. They know the PFD is going to be exactly what they wanted. They know that going into the whole two year session, they're going to get exactly what they want because they don't have to work for it because they already got the votes locked away. Yes, Mike, it is 100% about the binding caucus rule <clears throat> that allows them to have their votes and have their way like the old bird thing, right? Have it your way. You get the budget just like you want it. There is no other reason. I'm still hearing, like I told you about, we were like, oh, the Senator Hughes and Shower working with the FBI. No, we weren't. Neither one of us ever did that. Never called them. We never did this, but I still hear this rumor floating around. I know there's one caucus member right now in the majority caucus. I know for a fact, Mike, because I asked, one of those caucus members volunteered to wear wire and work for the FBI and go after their colleagues. I know it for a fact. But yeah, who's being said, oh, they, they were working with the FBI. The people are still spreading that rumor about Hughes and I. Not true. Flat out lie. Current caucus member in the Senate supermajority volunteered to wear wire. Tell me how that makes sense, right, Mike? So these, these are the facts, but they're going to continue to spread the lie. Yeah. They have to. No, and again, the idea that somehow that you could uh, just give up your right to vote at the end is just, uh, you know, it's always it's always boggled my mind. And like you said, the whole point of this the whole way the framers put it together at the national level and at the state level was it's supposed to be messy. It's, it's, excuse me. It's supposed to it's be, supposed hard. be hard. Yeah. It's not supposed yeah. to be just a rubber stamp where everybody kumbayas and nods in agreement because somebody in the, in the majority leadership said, do it. It's supposed to be hard. And, and unfortunately for 20 years in this state, we've been running on, on the easy mode where they basically say, you've given up your rights, come on in here, kumbaya with us, and we'll tell you how to vote. That's, I mean, that's just mm -hmm. wrong on so many levels. I mean, I'm just, it, yeah. it's like, it's crazy. Break break it up, Mike. We, I'd be happy to vote for the capital budget. Yeah. Generally vote for the supplemental needed. The operating is always going to be a tough one because I want to see how we're constraining yeah. ourselves. You know, I want we to see the largest of spending. Hold, hold I know, we got to go back. I got it. There we Fine. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Yep. A uh, little bit of pain in the something or other. Everybody hates me. All right, we're ready to go. Mike Shower is our guest. We're down to the final segment today. I want Mike to have a little time at the end to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. But, uh, of course, the big three issues that are still remaining for what we've talked about today are the uh, defined benefits plan, 
with no fiscal note. I will make a I'll I'll keep hitting that forever. They passed it completely out of uh, the committees and into finance and everything else uh, and onto the floor with no fiscal note. Absolutely no idea how much it's going to cost. You have to vote for it before you find out what's in it. Uh, Also, of course, we've got the energy thing that's moving around with the uh, gas in the Cook Inlet. And, of course, my new favorite, which is the paid-for child care, um, which, uh, you know, we've got Republicans who are in there saying this is what we need to do. We need to get government involved in more levels because it's so expensive. Well, it's so expensive because – The state is involved in everything. Why don't we start looking at ways to clear the field a little bit and let grandma down the street watch the kids for a little bit? I mean, it's 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 insane. It's insane. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on these things. Well, let's let's finish up since we're in the break. Not everybody heard that. But one of the things, you know, you asked the question on the break was, why are we in that minority? And the reason is, like as you pointed out, it's a binding caucus. It's not anything else. It's not Hughes, Myers, or Showers inability to work with people. We get along with this, everybody, almost everybody just fine. And um, it's about that binding rule because they've got to have their votes. And like the Burger King commercial, no have it your way, they know the Democrats are going to sell their soul. They're happy to for a seat at the table in power. So that whole thing is about you got to impugn the character of people, Mike, so that you can justify your actions, right? If if everybody understands that the three of us in the minority are actually decent people and we work well with others because that's the truth, well, then them kicking us into the minority is not going to work well. They can't justify their actions. So they have to impugn characters and make us seem all these bad things. Like I was mentioning the FBI in the break. I know there's a person right now that's in the majority that volunteered to work the FBI. It wasn't Senator Hughes and I, but that's the lies we keep hearing because they have to impugn us, Mike, so they can shove us in the corner and say we're bad people. If the press won't call them on it and people won't ask the hard questions, then they're going to get away with it and then they get their votes. And they know that going into this session, they got the budget they want. Democrats are all going to vote for their big government types. They're happy to spend money. So, of course, they're going to get everything they want with this, and they're going to do that as long as they get away with it, right? Or until the dynamics of power shift in the Senate and different people get unelected or go away or whatever. So that's just finishing that conversation. On to the budget reasons of that, you know, we keep doing this traducan where you have this massive budget bill. And as I've always tried to tell them, say, guys, split up the budget like we should. Have a separate operating budget, have a separate capital budget, separate supplemental. Take the PFD out of the budget and have a separate appropriation bill. If they were to do that, Mike, we could all vote up or down appropriately based on what we thought was best and what our districts wanted. And, oh, by the way, not be asked to commit political suicide. Never asked any of them to vote for or against the budget, whether they like it or not, whether or not their district likes that and is going to support them in that. I've never asked that, not once. I've been asked that how many times, Mike? to vote for something that is political suicide in my district. My district overwhelmingly supports the statutory PFD and wants to see that done, taken care of, and constrain government spending. If I voted along lines of the caucus, I wouldn't be in office right now because my district would go, you're going against everything we support. So, But I'm expected to do that, but they are never asked to vote that way. So as long as they keep doing the production budget, Mike and do, they're going to keep shoving us in the political corner, and they know that. And so right, if right. they would do that, I'd be happy to vote. I'd vote for the capital budget. We need it. I'd vote for the supplemental because it's generally looking at this request of money and things that you can't predict. Okay, fine. I may be able to vote for the capital or the operating budget if they separate those out and we live like under the statutory cap. I might be able to, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to look at it. Um, I'm always going to vote for the PFD, not against it. That's what my But we've given the reasons without going down there. But that's not how they're playing the game. See, that's that's a big deal to talk about these things. 
right. because that's how the, how we can't how we're we're we are painted into a corner on that. And then I was listening to Senator Hughes. He was telling me the other day we had our mighty caucus meeting of three, <laughs> and um, we were talking about this. And she's like, "Yeah, I was arguing with somebody." You know, she's like, "Yeah, I wasted a lot of hours arguing on online." You know, never never argue with somebody online because you're not changing opinions, and we're not very civil that way these days. But um, as the saying goes, you got this little device in your hand that has the sum of all human knowledge at your fingertips. And we spend most of the time, you know, looking at pictures of cats and arguing with perfect strangers. So, you know, don't waste your time. But she was saying how he's like, well, you know, it's all your fault, you Republicans anyways, because you've had power the whole time in the state. She's like, well, wait a minute. No, we haven't. She's like, until the 80s, the Democrats dominated the legislature in the state. This was a Democrat-controlled blue state. The 90s, it flipped around, and Republicans got a supermajority, and that's been thinned out some, you know, and so we've had it for a while. But it said, even in the last 10 years, what's he talking? He's clearly, whoever that was, was ignorant. You haven't even looked at it. I mean, with a Republican majority, sure, in the legislature in the last 10, 12 years, but it's always Democrat-dominated in a body. It was in the House for six years. More Republicans than Democrats, but certain Republicans sold their soul to the Democrats, and there was a Democrat-controlled majority. Same thing in the Senate. That's a that's a Republican. No, it's not Republican-controlled. There's only eight Republicans and nine Democrats. Democrats dominate all of the policy committees and finance. It's not Republican-controlled. So people say, well, the Republicans have all power. No, they haven't. Um, it, the, the Democrats continue to have power because certain Republicans sell their souls and join them. So when people say stuff like that, she's like, don't blame Republicans that are actually Republican, that are trying to uphold Republican values for what's been going on when we keep getting waylaid by how the politics works out. That's that's right. ignorance on somebody to say, that, you know, because that's not, in fact, know your history. Right. If if Republicans had super majorities and things were happening, I would I would step up and take the blame. So, yep, we did that. We're in, we're in charge. No doubt. You know, that's the case. Um, you can say that at the federal level sometimes when they have all three bodies and they, you know, like when the Democrats had it back in 2008, boy, they had it and they used it and it wasn't good. We got ACA and all that stuff that happened and spending stuff. And sometimes the Republicans have all three bodies and blow it routinely. Right. So, you know, give credit where it's due, Mike, and put blame where it's, you know, also do. So those are important things. But like I said, you know, Senate Bill 140. That's going to be negotiated at some point, and they're going to, they're going to be outnumbered. So this is probably going to fall on the governor's shoulders. Although he has publicly said he might line out and veto that if if we don't have the important stuff that we're also looking the compromise right. You know, right. charter school stuff, transparency and spending, some of those things. So we'll see where that battle's going. It's coming soon. Um, like I said, the budget stuff I'm just talking about it because it's starting to spin up. Um, but you know, we do have about a billion dollar deficit. So like I was saying there, with the time we have left here, I think that's kind of a big deal because. If you have a billion dollar deficit, we're going to have to fill that hole, which means it's going to come out of the earnings and the permanent uh, fund side. And that's going to leave you about $1.3 billion. And it's all just kind of issue numbers without having all the spending and, and bills through. Um, but, you know, that's $2,000 PFD, but they're not going to want that, right? They're going to, you know, want to uh, spend it on, you know, if we do education spending and all this other stuff, that's going to be reduced. So how much and what's left? I mean, who knows? That's the That's the number we're playing with, though. So, you know, that's what it is. About 1.3 billion, and uh, roughly on the current numbers, ballpark. And so we're going to have to figure out where that's ended. I mean, you know, that's 2.3 billion, I think, for a statutory BFD or ball 2.1, 2.3. I can't remember. About three, 3,000 something, 3,300 maybe was was statutory. You know, it's based on just the if you use the formula. So it keeps dropping off because those big asset sell-offs from a few years ago are finally falling off that five-year average. So the 
the high PFD has gone back down to something much lower, and that's that's actually following the formula. So, um, but we're not going to get there. I mean, like I said, take out the billion dollars to to um, cover the governor's budget that we have that was a billion dollars short. Well, that that's all that's left, and and so you got to look at the other things too. So just kind of arming people up for what the what the numbers are going to be because that is the numbers right without overspending so you know if we spent every single penny that we have and put it at zero um the pfd could be 2000 could be 1800 1400 whatever i would imagine there's going to be some argument that well you know a 500 pfd is really good that way we put some money away for the future no no we're putting money away for the government for the future we're not putting it away for the private sector i go back to mike as a kind of a final point at the end of the day what is all of these things um, are focused on what? They're focused on the government, on the public sector. Where in all this conversation do we ever talk about the private sector, taking care of the private sector, protecting the private sector, trying to grow the private sector? Do you ever hear this in any of the conversations? It's always government, government, government. Where's the conversation about private right. sector, private sector, private sector? Because that's what we're going to live and die on. That's what provides the taxes and royalties. That's what built this state and the permanent fund. It wasn't the government that did it. It was the private sector. Okay. And so we had, we just, we're not focused on that here. So, okay. all right. Um, well, and we're, we was. didn't get to any of my topics, but that's okay. One minute, <laughs> final thoughts, Mike Shower. Jeez. Oh, no, we did. We did. We talked a little bit. 40. I can do it in one minute. What's uh, left? What's the other two? What no, never mind. One minute. Go for it. Your final <laughs> thoughts for today. Well, we will pick it up next week, but um, I just just pay attention and see. Um, there's still, you know, lots going on, and as always, the the citizenry is in trouble, danger in danger when the legislation is in session because never we're going to come up to. But I think right now, Mike, this is truly about watching the battle between the House, trying to limit the spending um, spree from the Senate and trying to rein in the craziness coming from the Senate between the House and the governor. That's really what the rest of this session is going to be about. Um, can we, you know, not really do good things, but can we stop the bad stuff? And then, you know, hope that the next two years we can have a, a, a lined up body of Republican um, majorities where we can enact good stuff, you know, yeah. judicial reform. Need to be um, looking ahead. Yeah. You know, Election integrity, et cetera. That's your focus right now, folks. November. That's that's it. I really do think that. Mike Shower, our guest, out of time for today, folks. Tomorrow's another day. Don't forget to come join us. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right. Well, you didn't talk about defined benefits. You didn't talk about child care. Those are really the two big ones that I wanted to talk about. But I'll give you another two minutes here to finish your thoughts for the day. <laughs> Well, defined benefits, like I said, that's gonna that's now buried in the house. Yeah. Um, hopefully, the house is going to stop that. And there's some bills out there that that improve the the um, uh, the structure of our defined contribution plan, which is the best way to go. We need to make it better, which I'm all I'm okay with that. Um, you know, not liabilities for the state. So that's where the battle is, Mike. That's going to be, you know, what the house does with that. And, and I think they're probably my feeling is they're going to bury it. Um, and not allow it to move, which would be a positive movement. And then we look at the DC stuff and how we do it. So there's answer for your second thing. As far as child care benefits, I haven't looked at that yet. That hasn't really percolated up as a high interest item. So we haven't paid a whole lot of attention. So I really, I'm not well placed. I, I can look at it over the next week and try to get some gals, but I haven't yeah, spent a lot of time looking at that one. Let's yet. talk about it next week because I've, I've got, 
I've got issues. I've got issues. Well, I mean, I've got more issues than National Geographic, but I mean, I've got some issues with that bill for sure. All right. Well, Mike Shower, thank you, my friend. As always, good to talk to you. Appreciate you coming on board. We will see you next Wednesday. Sound, but that was I know that wasn't a statement, that was a question, but yeah, we'll plan on it. <laughs> okay. All right. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right, folks. That does it for me today. Time to go. We gotta get out of here. Tomorrow, I'm working on some stuff. I don't know exactly I don't know exactly who, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what comes of it. It may just be me and you tomorrow. Uh, that could possibly be. All right, my friends, have a great day. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you there. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show